the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome back to, or welcome to Firing Line Radio Show. Welcoming myself back, because I've actually been out of the country. And that's what we're going to talk about this particular week. I had a great weekend after Thanksgiving down in Hermosillo, Mexico, with my new good friend, Yanko Garcia. We're going to talk to him in a little bit here. But before, before I jump into all that fun stuff, I just wanted to thank everybody who showed up at the Prado Olympic Park's Shooter Appreciation Day. Now, Chad Carlson went all out on this. He had a huge, a, a huge raffle, a great barbecue. Um, it was just a fun day of shooting. We got to shoot the Ironman course, which was a round of, of trap, a round of skeet, and a round of five stand. You know, And they did a little competition for that. It was just a, a great morning. I got to shoot with some friends, and I really enjoyed it. But what he did, and the reason he did this, was he was donating money for the Bob Hope USO out here in Ontario, our local Bob Hope USO group. And with the raffle where we had Glock pistols, a Benelli shotgun, and so forth, we raised over $1,500 to be donated straight to the Bob Hope USO. So, Chad Carlson, congratulations. Thank you very much for the efforts that you put on. And folks, if you have not been out to Prado Olympic Shooting Park, well, shame on you. You should have been there with us. But if you haven't, it's right off the 71 freeway and Euclid. Um, you know, you would have, you could have met Kim Rode out there and seen all her Olympic medals. But anyway, if you haven't been out there, you can shoot rifle, you can shoot pistol, you can shoot shotgun, you can shoot five stand, skeet, trap, any of the games that you want to. It's a very, very fun place. Very nice place. Clean, safe, bring the family. Not a problem. If you have never shot before, they'll rent you a shotgun. If you have shot before, great. Bring your own, bring two friends and win some money from them. So there you go. That's Prado Olympic Shooting Park. Thank you very much, Chad Carlson. We're going to have him actually on the show in the next week or two talking about an adventure he had up in British Columbia, which is a great story. I'll just tell you it's a great story and we'll let him fill you in on all those, all the other details on that. I also wanted to point out this year that in the month of November, I hit a personal trifecta. Now, these don't come along very often where everything seems to line up and it just looks like you've got the blessed life. Well, frankly, I, I do. You know, I've got a, a great family, great life, great job. You guys, um, I know the Lord, what can go wrong, right? But anyway, the trifecta that I hit this month started off with Hillary Clinton not being my president. And I'm still giddy over that. I don't even care who is president. I'm just glad she's not. It is such a relief 
that she is not my president. Then I got a second bonus. Castro's dead. Oh, I don't have to see Obama sucking up to him anymore. Castro's simply dead. Cuba's free. Well, on its way to becoming free. So that's, that's kind of a cool thing there, too. And Vince, our longtime sponsor from Bullseye Sports, is going to be happy with that since his family was pushed out of Cuba in the 60s. And then, the, starting the day after Thanksgiving, I was able to achieve a lifetime goal of being able to hunt and take an absolutely magnificent mule deer. And I did that with the help of my friend, Yanko Garcia, from Hermosillo, Mexico. Yanko, say hello to the folks. How are you? Good morning to everyone there. Yeah, uh, how about Buenos Dias? Can you do that? Buenos Dias, seguro. <laughs> <laughs> now, Yanko, Yanko is a, a longtime outfitter, hunts out of Hermosillo and Sonora, all of Sonora, basically. Um, Yanko, how long have you been doing this? Well, I've been doing that uh, outfitting business for 27 years now, but I've been hunting all my life since, you know, I was born, you know, kind of have it in my blood. Okay, so you've been hunting for 27 years. You have your own firm, and that's called Yanko Outfitters. But your yes. website is the singular, Y-A-N-K-O Outfitter.com. So Y-A-N-K-O-O-U-T-F-I-T-T-E-R.com, Yanko Outfitter.com. Um, so folks, if you want to get a hold of him, check out his website. He's also on Facebook under Yanko Garcia Outfitters, right? Yes. Okay. So he's got a Facebook page. He's got the, um, um, website also. And his email is Yanko, Y-A-N-K-O, the common spelling, underscore outfitter at hotmail.com. So you've been hunting in Hermosillo, that particular area for the last 27 years. What kind of game do they have out there in Hermosillo? Well, uh, you also know it's been known well around for our mule deer, of course, desert corn. We have the great ghosts, like everyone call them, uh, the coos deer, you know, it's a small subspecies of whitetail. And of course, we have tons of volume of dog hunting here. So, you know, it's, uh, in the spring, we can hunt goose turkey too up in the mountains, and it's great too. And uh, pretty much about that, you know, we have javelina, we have quail, a lot of more stuff. But I think the most important is maybe the mule deer, desert bighorn, whitetail, and or the dove hunting around here. Now, the interesting thing about Mexico is that the landowners don't they set the seasons for when you can hunt on their land? Well, uh, some. Some they manage very good their land. Some, uh, like uh, outfitters like me, we just go and improve a lot of things around the areas just to get better quality. The genetics are there. We but, expect to improve everything, you know? Well, right. But now this area, Hermosillo, folks, it's, it's like our high desert, okay? It's actually a little bit prettier than our high desert. No offense to those of you in Barstow, but it, it's a little bit prettier than our high desert, but it's very similar to that. Uh, very little rain. Most of the rain comes in August and September in the big, big downpours like you'd see out in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, Hermosillo is about two and a half, three hours south of Tucson, about two hours south of Nogales. Is that right? Driving, yes. Okay, yes. and driving. It's uh, 200, 250 kilometers or so, one, like 170 miles from the border. 170 miles from the border. We are on the middle. 
But the best yes, way... To, we are in the middle of the country, you know, here. Okay. So the best way to get there, though, is to fly in. And there's a direct flight that goes from LAX to Hermosillo. Interesting thing about this flight. It's, it's not that expensive either. Um, but the interesting thing about the flight, I've flown it twice now, and the flight from America to Hermosillo usually has six to eight people on it. The flight from Mexico to the States is full. So... <laughs> You would think it would be about half and, you know, even both ways, right? But I, I think it's just a one-way trip for some folks. But I, it's just just kind of what it looks like to me. <laughs> yeah, so they're coming out here and, and staying. But the, it's a very nice flight. You fly in, go into LAX. They check your baggage. They check your luggage. They check your guns. And it's a direct flight. Now, a lot of people have been worried about flying with firearms. And it's not that big a deal. Um, we'll talk about the, the Mexican permit. But... The physical reality of what it is is you need to bring a little bit extra time just in case they can't find the right TSA agent uh, at LAX, but you fly in with your rifle or you drive in with your rifle in a locked hard case. Uh, They may or may not ask you to open it. Most of the time, they don't even ask you to open it. I do not travel with, with bullets in the case. We've been told by some people too. I just simply don't. Put it in your check baggage. You check in, they will conf- they will contact a TSA agent, they'll take it over to their station, they wipe it for explosives, and then it's off, and, and it's gone. Um, once it lands in Mexico, you literally are standing by your luggage, so you can watch your firearm come off the plane onto the trolley, and it goes straight to you. So nobody messes with your stuff in Mexico. If anything is ever messed with, it happens in L.A. A year ago, January, when I flew down Four locks were taken off of my, um, fortunately I had five locks on it. Four locks were taken off of my um, luggage, the TSA locks. They snapped them off or took them off trying to get the gun before it left L.A. So the crooks are in are in America, folks. Uh, down there in Hermosillo, Mexico, you have full control on your firearm, so you can rest assured about that. But you do need to get a gun permit. Can you tell us how that happens, Yanko? It's very simple. You just got to send you a form. Uh, it has like three steps only. You know, the first step is, of course, fill all your personal information like uh, name, address, birth Passport. Message, that's it. Yeah. But in the form, the most important thing is to figure out where all the gun information is, and especially on the serial number of each gun, in order to do it the right way around here, you know. And of course, copy of your passport and an ID. And that's very simple. And But it does take a couple of weeks, right? Yes, at least. Well, we do it in advance for months, you know, normally. But uh, with two weeks in advance, I can work uh, uh, any gun permit, you know. Okay, so you do need to have a gun permit, and you work that out with the outfitter ahead of time. So this is, uh, my, my case was actually a spur-of-the-moment trip, but we'll talk more about that coming up. But folks, this is a, a great opportunity to take a, a wonderful vacation down there in Hermosillo, Mexico, which is a really nice spot. We could talk more with Yanko Garcia when we come back right after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step 
and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. Welcome back to Boomstick Radio. And as you know, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and such, as afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been our longtime sponsor, Vince Torres, at Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. You've heard me talk about the Firing Line Gun of the Month Challenge, created in response to pending legislation in Sacramento. Well, Bullseye Sport is one of the establishments participating in that challenge. Each month for the next year, you'll hear a special offer on Firearm of the Month. Our goal is to collect as many as possible, and during the month of December, you can purchase a Ruger GP100 6-inch barrel, blued steel, 38 357 caliber for $589.99. Five eighty nine ninety nine. For more information about the challenge, go to Bullseye Sport. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, where the Inland Empire gets their guns and ammo. 951-823-0211. That's 951-823-0211. Or visit their website, bullseyesport.com, bullseyesport.com. Thank you very much, Vince. And hey, congratulations on the uh, death of Castro. I know it's a good thing for your family since you were refugees from Cuba in the 60s. Um, you know, ding-dong, Castro's dead, and Hillary's not our president. And uh, I was able to take a monster mule deer out here in uh, Hermosillo, Mexico, with my friend Yanko Garcia. YankoOutfitter.com. Y-A-N-K-O Outfitter.com. So, Yanko, you've been hunting down there for 27 years. You have your own company, uh, which is Yanko Outfitter. The main game that you hunt out there are mule deer, coos deer, bighorn sheep, but dove hunting is very popular in, in northern Mexico. Matter of fact, I saw more dove hunters than anything else out there. 
Tell us a little bit about yes, how, uh, how you how you get to go dove hunting in in Mexico. Well, the dove hunting uh, is as simple as a mule deer hunt. You know, you you gotta come into Hermosillo, and we stay in the best hotels in town as a lodge. You know, we depart every morning from the hotel to the hunting fields. You know, the hunting field can be from 25, 30 minutes to one hour, you know. And uh, we hunt in the morning for two or three hours, you know, and in the evening again for like two hours. And we try to to get everyone in the best positions on the field, you know. Everybody can shoot many dogs. They can shoot. Depends how good you shot are, of course, you know. But the volumes <laughs> of dogs are tremendous here. <laughs> now you have a, there's a lot of agriculture in Hermosillo, so you're basically around agricultural fields, right? Yes, uh, we we hunt over milo or corn most of the time. Sometimes you know they're like all wheat or other kinds of of fields that sometimes. They're around, mm-hmm. available, and we get to scout for and look for the best areas to hunt. And uh, that's the way that we uh, set our all this our hunts, you know. You know, you mentioned that you stay in a hotel. You do stay in a hotel in town. I, I stayed there. It's called the Fiesta Americana. It was awesome. It was an amazing hotel. I mean, you got your queen-size bed, down comforter, 55-inch television, walk-in shower, mini bar. It, it was great accommodations and very inexpensive. Right now, the peso is about 20 to a dollar, a little bit less, but it's roughly 20 to a buck, um, which made the hotel stay about 70 bucks a night. So you're not going to get a better accommodation for that. And it has its own restaurant. You know, we had ribeye steaks there one night. Um, I had the Michoacan special the next night, which was fantastic. So the food was great. Uh, the company is great. And it was very safe. And I think that's important for people to hear. I never felt uh, uneasy at any particular time down there. The hotel was absolutely fantastic. Um, traveling, we're traveling in cars with Mexican plates back and forth. They know that they're hunters because of the rigs, the way they look. Nobody's going to mess with an armed vehicle. So... You know, you, and then you're off in the fields by yourselves. You're not surrounded by anybody else. So it actually, for all the stories you hear about Mexico, I felt completely safe on this. I was trying to bring my daughter down, and I would not have done that had I felt any um, any compulsion to about safety. But the dove hunting is great for families, right? Yes, yes. Family companies, you know, like everyone. Of course, most of the people that comes here is that. Uh, group of hunters, you know, most of our uh, friends, you know, but having having families, uh, kids, uh, wives, everyone can hunt dogs around here. Even mule deer or coos deer can hunt dogs. Yeah, and so the dove hunting, you're on a field, you've got your shotgun, and the way it works is in Mexico, you're only allowed to bring, I think, 100 rounds with you cartridges, whatever, uh, shells for your shotgun, cartridges for your rifle. The most you can bring down at one time is 100. So if you're going to be out dove hunting for a couple of days, you pay the outfitter for the field for his services, and then they sell you the shells there. And it's just however many you shoot is what you pay for, kind of a pay-as-you-go system. Um, Dove hunting is stupendous. The other thing that's really interesting about this is in California or America, we're kind of stuck with our hunting seasons from September to December only. And then it's pretty much done for the year. But you have year-round seasons out there, don't you, Yanko? Yes. As well, uh, we hunt from October to February. 
That's for deer. February. First of all, for Mars. Yeah. No, that's for dogs. That's for dogs, okay. And deer, we had November till February, too. The okay. first part of February is when the end of the season for deer. How about ducks and goose? Ducks and goose, uh, we have those two here, but uh, it's been dry around here, so you try to don't. Uh, uh, we cannot do it these years, you know, the lately, really. Yeah, we had enough rain. Okay, and then um, yeah, we can go. We can go a little bit farther down in another town in this state, but around Hermosillo, it's been dry. You know, Sonora Desert has been changing a little bit because of Nino and all that. Okay, how about Havelina? Havelina, they're everywhere. I mean, <laughs> uh, you find them every corner where you are, and even on the dog field. And so for hav- for Havelina, is there a season for that also? Yes, it's the same season as a deer. Yeah, and uh, when, you, when you come, uh, you can do a special hunt for Havelina, or when you come for a mule deer or a coos deer, you can hunt those two, you know, together. Okay. Now, most, of the areas, most of the areas we can find the three species, mule deer, whitetail, and Havelina. Now, the other thing that I, I saw plentiful, and we've seen them every time I've been down there, and lots of them, are coyotes. You guys have more coyotes, and I'm not talking about the ones smuggling across the border. You've got more coyotes down there than I've seen anywhere else. Um, and bobcats, lots of bobcats, too. So if a guy wanted to get a hold of you and come down and hunt coyotes and, uh, and bobcats, I mean, it's a dream for late season, February, March, you can do that, correct? Yes, we can always can do hunt for varmint. You know, there are plenty. You know, uh, most of the predators around here, uh, they're in high volume because we we control, of course, predators on the on the hunting areas. But it's very much natural. Everything you know. That's why you can find a lot of sometimes in some areas. And the, these coyotes have not been hunted. They're not used to calls. They're not used to anything. So if you wanted to go there and actually help out the deer hunters, get a hold of Yanko and go do a coyote and bobcat hunt um, because you're going to be able to really get a lot of action in. Uh, they'll be coming into calls very, very easily. And, uh, you know, they do need some control. Our, well, we'll talk about it in our next session here, but we had coyotes mess up our first morning. Uh, with the deer so uh, we'll talk about how that happens but if you're looking for something to do it's not overly expensive i mean it does cost to go but if you're looking for something to do you want to take the family down for a dove hunt i can't recommend yanko outfitters any more than i already have Uh, mule deer now mule deer is a little bit more involved but the animals if you take a look at the quality of animals that yanko has taken over the years every year it's amazing. It's not just that he got one big deer with me. He gets big deer every season, almost every single hunt. And if you didn't get a big deer, you had an opportunity at a big deer. So, you know, take a look at yankooutfitter.com. And he's got some pictures posted on there. If you go to my Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show, if you look right on my profile of the page, you're going to see this 37 and a half inch monster that I was blessed with this last weekend so it's uh, absolutely great hunt um the one thing folks i'll tell you about the area out there it is dry it's dry it is dusty they call it desert so it, it actually is the desert and it's amazing how much wildlife lives out there we would think there's there's nothing so be prepared for that um 
It's not too cold, though. I mean, your your weather's pretty much the same as it is here, wouldn't you say, Yanko? Yes, sir. Yes. Well, some days, you know, we have very good cold fronts, you know, but uh, they didn't last much here. Yes, we are very close to the Sierra Cortez. That's why I don't think they hold much. So when we have cold fronts, uh, you just last for one day or two, and that's it, you know. Very good. Hey, folks, check it out, yankooutfitter.com. We'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! That's right, folks. Mulan Lave Saturday. Hey, this is Philip Naiman joining you back here. Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show, or our website, FiringLineRadio.com. You can subscribe and get these radio podcasts every single week uh, delivered straight to you right on FiringLineRadio.com. So check that out. It's, it's free. It's delivered. So you can go hunting, shooting, go play with the kids on Saturday, not have to worry about this. You'll get your show on Monday morning and uh, don't get no better than that. Joining me again, I have Yanko Garcia, Yanko Garcia from Yanko Outfitter, yankooutfitter.com, Y-A-N-K-O, outfitter.com. He also has a YouTube channel under the same name. Uh, email for Yanko is Y-A-N-K-O underscore outfitter at hotmail.com. So, you know, he's in Mexico. It's kind of hard to get him by the phone. So just send him an email, uh, get a hold of him that way, and set yourself up a great hunt. It was absolutely fantastic when we got to go out there and uh, for my second trip. Now, my first trip was a year ago, January. Actually, 11 months ago, January. So I uh, went with a group of friends, and we went out to a ranch called El Rodeo. Um, Yanko, you want to tell them a little bit about this ranch? Well, Brodeo Ranch is uh, very close to the uh, to City town, north of town. It's only like uh, 45 miles from north of town. It's pretty much flat, very grassy, hard, a uh, little bit hard because uh, most of the grass is in tall there, you know. But yeah, the hunting is uh, fantastic. There are a lot of number of deer. Yeah, know? they have a lot of like buffalo grasses, two, three feet tall. Yes. And uh, a lot of choya. I mean, they should rename that place the Choya Ranch. 
Choya <laughs> is a cactus. yes. Choya is a nasty cactus, folks. It uh, it jumps after you. It literally, um, when you're walking through a a trail and you're taking your time and you're making sure you don't touch the cactus, but there's a doofus behind you who kicks a cactus. Well, Choya breaks apart into flying pickles of death, and you'll know when they've attacked you when they stab into the back of your calf because your buddy behind you kicked the plant, and it sticks all over your back of your leg. Um, that's when you've been introduced properly to Choya, the flying pickles of death. Um, a, lot of, a lot of that over there, but the way we hunt that country is different from my most recent hunt because of the terrain as you said it's extremely flat very brushy so how is it hunted in that particular area well in order to cover a lot of land there we use a lot of high high racks on the cars <clears throat> in order to get very view on the desert you know because of the rain uh, you need that little bit of extra help on that yeah you need but some elevation bathroom, yes we, uh, is, uh, we glass a lot, of course, we walk a lot, but it's, uh, we got, we got to use all the uh, extra dishes, you know, in order to get very success there, you know. Right, and so these particular areas, because they are desert, you're, the animal density isn't like you'd find in a, you know, Vail, Colorado, where they're everywhere. So you might have just a few animals per square mile. So you'd have to cover land, and you've got to keep your eyes going all the time. If you're not glassing, then you're passing them. Um, you've got to keep your eyes open. And so when they're moving with these high cars, they're just slowly crawling along. And every time, the, you know, every two feet that the vehicle moves forward, it changes your view on all the different angles of the brush that you're passing. And you can probably only see 70 to 100 yards deep at times. Um, but every time you turn, there's a whole different angle. A, a large buck could be hiding behind a bush. You can't see it till you've passed them. And if you're, if you're not looking behind you as well as in front of you, hey, that's why they get big out there. <laughs> People drive by them all the time. But that's uh, one type of hunting. When we were out there, uh, what were there, nine of us in that last group, Yanko? Yes. And, and all nine took fantastic deer. Um, I was able to take a 190-class uh, mule deer hunting with one of your guides named Abram. And, uh, you know, your guides are amazing. Tell us a little bit about them and their experience. Yes. Uh, you know, like uh, the success that we have last year was very good in, in our group. Uh, most of the people had the chances to shoot horse and sea deer. 180 at least about. Of course, we're looking for 190, 200 deer box, you know. But everybody's looking when now it's different, you know, everybody's looking for uh numbers. But I think any deer can be very good, you know. Right. You know, and that's that's interesting that you say that because some people get stuck on a score. As a matter of fact I purposely did not score with this last buck because the scoring system for mule deer isn't fair to the mule deer. It's based off of a white-tailed deer system, meaning that it wants to know how long the main beam is and all the different points, but it doesn't give credit for the outside spread. It doesn't give credit really for mass or for height. It just, it, 
it doesn't take the whole animal into account. And so you can find something that looks like an inferior deer with a very high score compared to a huge monster with a lower score. It makes no sense in, in real life. Because if those two animals were standing next to each other 100 yards away and you had one bullet, you, you'd take the bigger one. Hands down, even though the smaller looking one may score better, who cares? You know, it, it's it's amazing the way that works. So, like you said, you can have an animal that's magnificent, may not score as high, but, you know, why are you hunting? If you're hunting for score, you should take up golf. It's Hunting is a very personal thing. Um, we don't have to hunt. We choose to hunt. Uh, it's in our blood. And if you don't have that connection and you're just going for score... Go, go golf. Don't don't bother the animals. Go go do something else. So I, I that's just the personal way I feel about it. But your guides are very knowledgeable. They're very, very good and they're very friendly. I mean I always felt at home with any group of them. Whether they were eating lunch underneath a, a Palo Verde tree or just hanging out joking around in the in the top rack, your guides are extremely friendly. Um, and knowledgeable, and they know the area extremely well. So that's that's particularly awesome. You want to make sure that you check out, folks, yankooutfitter.com, Y-A-N-K-O, Yanko, your new favorite word, Yanko, yankooutfitter.com. Um, this particular hunt, though, was a little bit different, Yanko, in, in that you actually sent out some emails because in your guy's scouting, and we might want to talk about this, you have multiple ranches out there that report to you, Right. Yes, yes. I have uh, all my guys, of course, scouting before the season uh, on all the ranches. I have like uh, almost uh, 350,000 acres. So it's like seven, it's almost uh, 750,000 acres that we just search around, you know, in different areas around town. Uh, of course, sometimes, depends on the weather, but yes, it's hard to see deer in here uh, because, uh, you know, the Sonora Desert, the weather is hot to all November, all even, you know. We just had the first phone call two days ago in here. So that sometimes don't have much, but we have all the guys looking for deer for all November and before, you know, we put cameras out too. And sometimes we just able to find the right there early, but normally most of the big bucks start moving December and January when it's the best. And that's because that's when their rut starts, and that that happens out here in, in America too. Uh, Mid November through December is when our rut starts for our Rocky Mountain mule deer, and um, that's when they the big bucks kind of lower their guard and come out in the open. Yes, but the here, like I say, you know, the desert, uh, the deer. They're just looking for cool areas, and that's in the brushy areas, on the valley. They don't show up much, you know, uh, because of their weather. But uh, we always, you know, try to look for. Right, and you've got people out there. So you have 750,000 acres that you hunt. You have about 15 guys that are always scouting. And when they find something that's pretty amazing, um, that's when they need to be in contact with you because you sent out a blast email on the buck that I was able to hunt. Um, and I saw it the week before Thanksgiving. And from there, uh, it came down to whether or not I could even get a gun permit to go in time. And, and the, the thing is, folks, these animals move from one field to another, one ranch to another. They don't stay all year round in one 
spot like a white-tailed deer. So if he's in an area, you need to get down there and get there quick. So you've got to have contacts with somebody like Yanko because when they found this guy, the only thing holding us back was, number one, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Had to be the home for that. <laughs> and the gun permit. Um, I wanted to use a special gun on this, and Yanko went overboard and out of his way to make sure that accommodated us. So I was able to use my cutting-edge bullets and my Vortex scope and the, my 270-300 Win Mag. So it all came together. We're going to talk about the hunt itself in our last segment here with Yanko from YankoOutfitter.com. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey, folks, I hope you're being entertained because this, this was a lot of fun. This is Philip Naiman. I'm here with Yanko Garcia of Yanko Outfitter. You can find him at yankooutfitter.com, Y-A-N-K-O, the common spelling, outfitter.com, Yanko Outfitter. So uh, it's a place you're going to want to go if you want to go into Mexico and try some hunting and do it in a safe fashion. You want to make sure that your gun permits are checked and your travel arrangements are made and your hotel is done. I'll tell you what, I wanted for nothing. I mean, uh, I I hurt my knee a few months back, and so I wanted to get some ibuprofen. And I told one of the guys I was driving with, hey, let's swing by the store on the way home. Didn't happen. Yanko met me at the hotel with the ibuprofen. I mean, it was just that kind of service that's absolutely amazing. He takes care of you like nobody's business. So um, I got this email, or actually a text message of these photographs of this monster mule deer that you had scouted out. And a couple of friends of mine couldn't go. So it kind of came down to if anybody that we knew was going to get a shot at it, it was me or nobody. And, and then someone else would actually come in and have this fantastic opportunity. So I jumped on it. I, I couldn't help myself after I saw these, after I saw this video of this monster that I'd been dreaming of for the last 52 years, um, I had to go. And this was, you know, a big flathead moose-like looking deer that on the video, he, he looked awkward. His antlers were so large. And so Yanko's crew had found them on this one particular ranch uh, next to this giant granite cliff. Uh, it was a whole different area from when I first hunted. And this was far more open and obviously longer shots were going to be required. So the first morning we got out there, he introduced me to the local guide, Manny. And, um, we climbed straight up this volcanic mountain, which was actually probably 
thousand fifteen hundred feet above the desert floor and it was literally straight up so we got to the top of this and yanko what were we looking for well we were looking to, uh, for the those the particular group of deer that went hanging in that, that valley there you know every morning and evening that's uh that group that we went saw for the last two weeks there you know and the reason that I was kind of on the hurry to uh, somebody was you know, this here to to be hunting for is because uh, how we were expecting the weather change, and with the weather change, deer start moving more in and out from all the areas, looking for those maybe a little bit. They start acting like that, you know, the next season. So they were us looking that particular morning for youth deer. You know, the one we spotted and we were seeing for the last. 10 days, 16 days there, you know. Right. And so I found him, uh, we were glassing, literally we're glassing a mile away. You know, obviously you look what's close first and then you keep glassing out. And I spotted him, I'm going to say about a mile out. He's just, you know, forget finding it on the rangefinder. He's just way out there. And it's like, okay, there's some deer. And then all of a sudden this thing picks up its head. And at that distance, you're like, oh my, I, I said this exactly. I said, oh my God. And the guides all started laughing behind me because they'd already seen this animal. They knew I'd found him. You know, <laughs> as soon as you look at him, but the first thing I realized, oh my God. They go, oh, he found him. Um, it, it, amazing animal. And he walked towards us up against a brushy hill. But then these stinking coyotes got in the way. We had a pack of coyotes between he and us, and they started howling and yapping and chasing stuff around. And so the deer held up. They weren't coming the way they had for the last two weeks. They, they stayed in the really thick brush to avoid the coyotes. And then they got spooked out of there, and we thought, okay, fine. This is, again, this is hours later. We're waiting for them to move. Hunting these giant mule deer, you have to be patient. You cannot go down there and chase them. Um, the ground crawling around out there, you're stepping on angry popcorn. It is the loudest ground I've ever walked on in my life. Um, even even ground you're not stepping on is making noise. It just, you are not going to sneak up on anything down there unless you go in stalking feet. Well, after I pulled out a one-inch thorn... We from, don't recommend it, around here. <laughs> after I pulled out a one-inch thorn that went through the bottom of my boot, I realized that's even a stupider idea. Right, so, no... <laughs> <laughs> Your son actually had to help you help you get that thing out of the bottom of my foot, but uh, it's cactus. It's desert. It's cactus. So anyway, uh, the deer got spooked, and there was four of them. They ran in a line, and there was two nice deer, one small deer, and then the flathead with them. And they they traveled from our right to our left, and they stayed about fourteen hundred to thirteen hundred yards out. And they just trotted away, looking back at what had spooked them. And then all of a sudden, the big buck said, "You know what?" I think this is hunting season. I need to do something. He went to the front of the line and picked up the pace, and they marched away from us. And I'm like watching this guy go. Then they turned left and came back towards us. I thought, oh, good. They're circling back because all this is happening 1,500 feet below us since we're on the mountain. But then he crossed the road, and he smelled something. Maybe he smelled, uh, I don't know, when the uh, car went by or whatever. You saw this whole deer flex and bolt. And he took off for maybe a mile and a half direct away from us. And I just, my heart sunk. I just, <laughs> I started looking around for other deer. I said, well, uh, he ain't coming back. But um, you, you said, you know what? He's been betting in this certain canyon. 
So maybe we'll go back in the afternoon and, and look it up. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, we did see him that afternoon, just briefly moving from one spot to another. I had him at 640 yards and I was ready to take the shot. But the problem was he was behind a Palo Verde tree and the branches of the Palo Verde tree are fairly low. So although it looked like you had a clear shot at 640 yards, your bullet is coming down on the animal. And it was a sucker shot. If you'd have taken it, your bullet would hit the trees above him because it's coming downwards. It's not a laser beam like a 200-yard shot. So it looked like I had a shot, but I didn't. Plus, 640 yards is a stinking long way, so I didn't shoot. Um, He didn't come out the rest of the night. And so we went back the next morning with our plan was to not be on the mountain where we were earlier, but to go high up in the canyon between his bedding area and his feeding and watering area and hopefully catch him on our way up. And so, Yanko, how'd that work out? Well, it worked very good the next morning, don't you think? Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, we do a different plan. You know, we work the other way. The way that uh, we were expecting to be moving the next morning, that's the way that uh, was uh, the first day when we saw it. So we changed a little bit our moving areas to, in order to shoot it. And I think uh, uh, first thing that deer does has that what we were suspecting, don't you think? Yeah, he came up a different canyon. Uh, Manny, the guy that I was with, was kept telling me he's going to come up to my left, and we found him way off to the right. Um, but he was way, he actually was closer to the mountain we were looking at the first day than where we were set up. And so we first saw him about 900 and, I don't know, 30 yards out, just way out there. And even at that yardage, we have footage of it, even at that yardage, it's a monster. And then he walked into 700 yards. And uh, um, I had to, I was on a rocky volcanic outcropping you know i tell you what the one thing i'm going to bring next time is i will bring my own seat pad because <laughs> there's nothing but ro- volcanic rock not granite not smooth stones like we have up here no volcanic nasty rock is what you have out there and so i i set up for a shot just in case and I actually had to move positions to clear bushes but just in case i want to be ready so i threw a backpack down and pulled my bipod out took off my sweatshirt and another shirt and i wadded them into a giant ball so i could put those underneath the buttstock of the gun and then i had to take my a uh, little bit of insulate pad and put it between my right knee and the volcanic nasty rock um so I could have some kind of support. So I basically was standing on my left foot, had my right knee on a rock, and was leaning forward on the gun, um, putting as much pressure on it as I dared and pushing down into the the uh, um, sweatshirt. But anyway, so I went. I keep my ballistic table in a little notebook. Just been, A lot of guys have them on their phone, but hey, batteries go dead. My notebook never does. So I'm checking the range with my Vortex 1500, checking the range as he's coming in. He's at 620 yards. Okay, this bush is at 500, and he stopped right underneath this bush at 540 yards, and he stood there. And I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to take the shot. So I had to adjust my scope. I'm using that Vortex Viper. 6 to 24. I dialed up five and a quarter minutes, actually five and a half, then went back to five and a quarter, set it. The guide keeps saying, Philip, maybe you should wait. I think you should wait. Philip, wait. 
<laughs> and I said, no, I'm going to take the shot and leaned into the gun and pressed down. And he had to wait for a smaller buck to pass from behind him. But he stepped out and gave me a broadside at 503 yards. And I touched it off and that cutting edge bullet hit him like a ton of bricks. There's video on it on our website, Firing Line Radio Show. He went down immediately, died in his place. It was it was a perfect shot, and I can't thank Yanko Garcia and Yanko Outfitters for a better ending to that. Yanko, thank you very much for joining me today. Again, folks, find him at yankooutfitter.com, Y-A-N-K-O outfitter.com, and uh, we'll have more information posted on our Facebook page. Yanko, thank you. God bless. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Evolution Sports in Redlands, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.